This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 Podcast, Ring by Spring, joined by my man, Kendall Kalt, Double K. Big changes in your life. Got engaged since I talked to you last. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, Ashley. I'm very excited. Well, I, I know that's been a process. We've, we've had, you've been very self-deprecating about uh, your dating life, but uh, it looks like you got a, got a great woman, and you guys look in, incredibly happy. So uh, congratulations to both of you. Thanks, Ashley. I'm very excited. Uh, shouts to David Kay uh, of Baylor for the assist. Uh, I pretended I was going to Detroit that day to cover Baylor Michigan State. Uh, obviously a great decision both to get engaged and to also not go to that game. And then uh, from the arena, DK. Uh, texted me a photo, so it made it seem like I did indeed get on a plane that morning to go cover the game. Oh, man, you're uh, you're full of uh, the Battle of Calais. Do you know about that? Uh, World War II, the uh, deception of Calais? I, I do not. So uh, the Allies were building up all kinds of reinforcements off of Calais in France, which made the Germans, they would, they would do air, you know, air uh, surveillance and they would see all these inflatable tanks, inflatable planes. And the technology wasn't good enough to know that it wasn't the real, the real thing back then. And so they were like, Oh, okay, this is where they're going to invade uh, France. And, and uh, instead they invaded in Normandy. And um, yeah, that was uh, not where the German reinforcements were. So great deception. Good, good job on your part. The system worked there, unlike uh, some things that have gone on with Baylor lately. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. We won't spend too much time lamenting those two road games. Uh, make mo- make no mistake, they were road games. The one at the one in Michigan, and then of course Madison Square Garden, Duke's home away from home. I I, I was pretty shocked by how many Duke fans were at that venue. I I really thought that you know nineteen thousand arena, there might be seven or eight thousand Duke fans. There was legit like sixteen thousand Duke fans. They fill that place. It's it's pretty impressive, and and not your typical demographic for Duke fans, I might say. It appears that they were alums there, actually. <laughs> I would say a little a light on the alum side, and maybe uh, uh, heavier on the Joe Joe fan side. But uh, but good good for them, man. I mean, that's how you build a brand, and that's how you get like a huge following across the country when you're a tiny school in North Carolina. Uh, they've they've done a good job of that for years and years and years, and uh, obviously having guys like Kyrie Irving, you know, that's 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 helped build their brand. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty impressive the uh, number of uh, t-shirt fans that, that turned out to root on Duke, and and they were you know a bit hostile too. I mean that was, that was a pretty good environment, and uh, our Bears did not weather the storm when the game was on the line. I think it was sixty one sixty one, and then uh, reminiscent of that uh, you know uh, lead eight game, you know the. Duke kind of took control down the stretch, and and unfortunately the Bears were on the the wrong end of that uh, at the final buzzer. Yeah, very much so, and a lot of things I didn't like in that game from the Bears. You hope they can turn it around because they've shown flashes throughout the season, but putting it all together against a quality opponent since Auburn has not really happened. Yeah, ah, Florida. I I I think we're I think Florida's good, and I think that uh, they they finished that game well. Ray J. Dennis took over that game. It looked like he was going to do the same thing in the Duke game, but then the wheels kind of came off, you know, at the end. A lot of dumb turnovers, a lot of bad turnovers in the Michigan State game as well. Uh, this is a great staff. I, th- I think they'll have them ready, you know, for, for a Big 12 run here, and I still think it's Kansas and Baylor. Are, are you of that mindset? Are you putting Houston up there? What's your what's your uh, your thoughts on handicapping the Big 12 race right now? I think I would put Houston as the favorite right now, which is a departure from what I'd had earlier in the season. I think the level they've played defense lately sticks out to me, and I, I'm a little more sour on KU 
just because that Indiana game, I thought they got were a little lucky to escape from. The offense has not been good all season. I don't know that the, the odds you'd bet on them finding somebody else who can play besides KJ Adams, Hunter Dickinson, uh, Dewan Harris, and Kevin McCuller, but they really haven't locked down who's that fifth guy in the starting lineup and who can come off the bench. So I think right now, to me, Houston is a tier above everybody else in the league. And so, you know, the first Big 12 schedule is going to be tough for Kelvin Sampson's bunch, but I think that's the best team in the Big 12 right now. Hmm. I can't agree with you. I, I mean, I, we'll see. I mean, they, their their computer numbers are great, you know, but uh, I think there may be computer trickers to some degree. I, I, we'll see. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be just so different going to each of these venues and, and you know, to, to – Join the league and win the league, I think, is a tall task. I, I I would put my money on Baylor and Kansas. Speaking of Kansas, what's going on there? I mean, did you see the, the uh, Terrence Shannon news today? I did. I had a buddy text me that while I was out earlier today. Uh, so, yeah, not good. Oh, so that happens in Lawrence. I mean, you know, we obviously it's not a funny situation at all, but good grief. I mean – you got to think he's a, he's visiting Kevin McCuller, right? I mean, the, they were teammates, and what? Why else would he be in Lawrence? It would make some sense uh, for that to happen. Uh, obviously, both were fans of the transfer portal. Did not appear to be fans of Chris Beard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there could be some connection there. Kind of tough to know. It was the other interesting tidbit for me, Ashley, was that uh, Brad Underwood apparently would have known since September that he was under investigation for it. So I was kind of surprised they played him, but. Then oh, again, so I think it he happened. Feels the Illinois. So it happened. When did it happen? I didn't see the date. Of it would it have happened, happened in early September uh, uh, when Illinois played KU in football. They said Terrence Shannon came down on his own. They didn't mention, did he see McCuller? Did he see anybody else? Uh, but came down, now charged with rape in Douglas County, which is the county where uh, KU is in Lawrence, Kansas. So what the connection is, we don't know. But Seth Davis tweeted out that since at least September, Brad Underwood has been aware and the Illinois staff has been aware that he's under investigation by the police. And I know you can say, well, do you suspend somebody when they're just under investigation or not? Uh, I mean, Terrence Shannon's been one of the five best players in the country to start the season, but not a good look for Brad Underwood. And I don't know, he just never can quite get it done all the way and complete things. I said the whole time that was probably the dumbest place Matt Meyer could have finished his career. So I think that the heat on Illinois should be pretty high after what had happened. And given that their team wasn't unstoppable with Terrence Shannon, we'll see how good they are um, without him. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean rumors that you know I think these are legitimate, uh, not only rumors but but has some validity behind them. Is that you know Matt maybe only got half of what was promised in NIL funds from Illinois, uh, so that's yeah I, I don't know man that's uh, you start doing stuff like that I think I think the reputation gets out there. It's going to be you know tougher to get quality guys coming to your school. I mean, uh, but they're, I mean, they're big numbers they're throwing around. So maybe half of that's okay with some guys, but uh, I mean, man, promise one thing and deliver another thing. That's, that's, you know, not, not a good way to run a program. And I'm not saying that's Brad's fault. I mean, that that's probably, you would think totally separate from the coaching staff as far as, you know, who, who actually delivers the NIL money uh, to these players. But anyway, that's just an aside. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I, I think um, it, it will be, fascinating if McCullough's name gets dragged in there. We've already had the Arterior Morris situation uh, where, you know, he's accused of rape and, and uh, dismissed from the team finally. Um, but, you know, that's just a huge risk, you know, taking him in to begin with. And, and then you have this situation that happens in Lawrence. It's just, man, just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, coincidences happen in that town. And, you know, that's 
not great. Not not a good look. I mean, it's certainly all on Terrence Shannon. But if if you have other, you know, Kansas basketball players that maybe would have been a part of this, then that that makes a difference. And I'm not saying that I shouldn't even go there because there's no evidence to say they were. That just other than being in the town at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the correct criticism I think that everyone can stand on right now is that Arturio Morris clearly beat the heck out of his girlfriend back in Texas. He goes to UT for a year. He's not even very good. I think Rodney Terry really only played him last year because he had to play his five-star freshman to try and keep him and Dylan Mitchell around for another season and show some momentum for the program. And then he goes to KU, and it's like, well, he just needs somebody to play defense and hit an open three with how good the rest of the team is, and he gets kicked out there. So it was a very weird decision, I thought, by KU to take him, given he wasn't some dominant player there. But, yeah, not a good situation with Terrence Shannon at all. Okay, let's all right, Houston, let's, let's get back to them. So they have Penn, and then they have West Virginia, both home games. You would expect them to win both those games. And then yep. Iowa State on the road. Do you think that's their first loss of the year? It could be. I mean, that's – then you're looking at TCU going to TCU, yep. home against Texas, home against UCF. I mean, if they don't lose that game, they're probably undefeated heading into uh, the game at BYU. So I think they'll lose one of at BYU or at Iowa State. Iowa State's another one of those teams where you can kind of say, are they computer trickers? Uh, given they have two losses on the year to really the only two good teams they've played beyond Iowa. So I don't know about Iowa State yet, but I mean, Ken Palm loves them, which is kind of a rarity given Ken Palm seemed to hate them in the old era uh, back in the day, but seems to love them now. So I don't know. I think I think Houston's going to beat Iowa State and Ames. That's my guess. I'll take the other side of that equation. I, th- I think Iowa State wins that, and I would say that Houston drops two of those three. I, I mean, their schedule – I mean, obviously A and M is a, is a quality team, and and they beat Utah. That's that's not a terrible win. I, I'm very skeptical of Xavier Dayton. I, I I don't know. I just I just think their schedule's been pretty soft, you know, so far this year. And I think I think the Big Twelve teams are going to be a, a pretty big culture shock to them, especially those road environments. So so I say they lose two of those three road games. Um, I, you know, they they're projected by Ken Palm to be 14 and four in the league. Uh, I'll I'll say eleven and five uh, or eleven and not eleven and seven I, I guess would be the get to eighteen so I'm 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 skeptic of Houston but but you say they're they're the front runner uh, how how do you, what do you think about Baylor I mean obviously defensive deficiencies really good offense uh, do you think that the Bears can turn around their issues on the defensive end and and uh, I, I do think the schedule sets up pretty well to start Big Twelve play they've got you know their first four games. They should be favored, you know, Oklahoma State on the road, BYU at home, Cincinnati at home, Kansas State on the road, and then you go to Texas. Uh, you know, Texas may be favored in that one. We'll see. But uh, uh, what do you think about the Bears as far as getting off to a good start in Big 12 play? There, I think, are like a million different things I could say about Baylor right now. I think for me it comes down to obviously the defensive end. I've written like six articles. Somebody even pointed out on the board, J. Kendall, what's the issue you're really focused on? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I – I like Baylor basketball. I obviously like offense a lot, which I guess makes me especially like Baylor basketball. Uh, the biggest concern I have right now is both how does Baylor defend screens? And then if you had to pick one player that needs to play better, it's Jaden Nunn. Uh, mm-hmm. He was brought in to be the on-ball kind of defensive mastermind. Yep. And you even saw some in the last few games, Baylor's had him bring the ball up more. And I think the thought there is, well, it'll be easier for him to guard the point guard. He can be really good on ball. I don't think he's been as dominant on ball as Baylor's needed. I thought he's been really, really bad off the ball where sometimes he kind of dogs it 
around screens and the way Baylor's defending screens, you have to just almost kill yourself getting around the screen. And so, you know, I know we get uncomfortable sometimes calling guys out, but the you bring a guy in from VCU, you have him be your starter during the year. I don't think he's played at the level Baylor needs right now. And that's not me talking to anybody on the staff. That's not me, you know, doing work to call anybody out. It's just me saying that if there was one guy that has to play at a higher level for Baylor, it's Jaden Nunn right now. Yeah. Um, I hope he can do it. But if he doesn't play at a higher level, I don't think Baylor will contend with KU and Houston. If he does, I think they there's a reason in a predictive metric Baylor was number six three weeks ago. Um, you have more data now, so that's why Baylor has dropped down quite a bit on Ken Palm. But he's got to play at a higher level for Baylor to be where it needs to be. And if not, I think Langston Love should be getting a lot of his minutes. Yeah, Langston's been really good. Langston's uh, surprised me to the upside, especially on the defensive end. I think he's worked really hard. He takes charges. You know, he's he's not letting his man get by him very easily. I, I've been impressed with what I've seen from Langston. Uh, I would agree that Jaden's got to be the stopper that we were hoping for. And I also would say Jacoby's got to get better on the ball. Uh, that that oh, Duke yeah, game was concerning. Horrendous. Yeah, he was bad in the Duke game, and and I, I didn't pay close enough attention to Michigan State, but uh, he's got to guard the ball better. And then um, I think you also need Jalen Bridges to step up. I mean, Jalen's solid, but I mean we need more activity from him. And and um, you know I I mean you know he's rebounding at, a, at one of the lowest rates he's had you know since he's been in college. Offensively, he's very efficient, but. Uh, I mean, you want him grabbing, you know, six, seven boards of games with, with as many minutes as he's getting. So, I mean, th- th- those are the guys I think really need to take a take a you know step up in, in conference play. And then Ray J's got to cut down on the turnovers. That's been crazy for him. I agree. I mean, you can kind of go through the list defensively. Obviously, you pointed out, Ashley, that Josh O does not get really any defensive statistics, mm. uh, which is deeply concerning. I mean, the one bright spot defensively is that I think Eve Missy's been a monster. And yeah. you can say, well – Sometimes he maybe goes for a block when he should stay down or, you know, maybe he blocks it too hard when he could tip it to a teammate. I don't care about that. I really don't care even a single bit about that because with Eve Missy, what you have is somebody who I always think he's trying his absolute hardest and he has great athleticism. And I think he's trying to always be in the right spot, even if he doesn't maximize that. I'm far more confident Eve Missy by the end of February will know where Baylor wants to be and will kind of have down. Okay. This is when I go crazy. This is when I don't than these other guys, right? I would much rather you're going to make mistakes in Baylor's defense thinking, oh, he went too hard here. He sold himself out too much there. Oh, he committed one too many fouls here. Like we can already, I had uh, my buddy Kevin Flaherty, uh, who writes for 24-7, texted me joking during the Duke game. He was like, oh, Missy's going to have three fouls by the first media timeout in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. Um, But I'm just, I'm I've been a little negative at times on Baylor, but I could not be more positive about Eve Missy. I think he's been a monster. I think this was a huge recruiting win for Baylor. And I think that's where if I were to kind of say squint and say, okay, if we wrote a season ending story and Baylor went back to the final four, what happened? I think it would be that Eve Missy became such a dominant defensive player, kind of like Isaiah Austin did at the end of 2014 when Baylor went on its run. But even more so, that's the one thing I'm really hopeful of is I just really love how Eve Missy has played. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like, um, you know, Eve's been great, and I think that uh, he needs to play 30 minutes a game. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think our the best shot for Baylor to be great is is for him to get more minutes. I, yeah, Josh has done some good things, and, and, he, and he's a good perimeter on-ball defender, but I'm pretty baffled that you've gone 
what are we at? 12 games now and one block on the year? Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. That's, you know, it, he's got to do a better job protecting the rim with a 7-4 wingspan and, and at least give a threat of that or it's just going to be teams are just going to, you know, take advantage of that big time. Yeah, I agree completely. And Ray J's played well for the most part, but I think he's got to continue to be aggressive. And if it's, hey, Baylor hasn't scored for three straight possessions to just go down on the block, Ray J, and try and take a turnaround jumper because that's an efficient shot. Right. And so I think he's got to stay aggressive. I think Jacoby's clearly got to be more aggressive offensively. I always feel good when Jacoby takes a shot. The only thing I have with him is he can't go so long without taking shots. Uh, but I certainly also agree with what, everything you said about Jalen. Ashley, he's been so good when he takes threes, and you kind of wonder, why don't you take seven a game instead of trying to take the four best you can? Yeah. And so that's where I would kind of push him and just say, look, the NBA is going to be way more impressed if you take seven threes a game and think this is real shooting if you shoot 38% on seven threes than if you shoot 44% taking the four most open threes you get a game. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I, you know, I just – I, I, again, I'm I'm kind of baffled that he's not better uh, as an offensive rebounder and and a defensive rebounder because I mean he showed. I'm I'm looking at his Ken Palm stats right now, comparing them to other years. So just uh, you know, just taking a quick look at that. Like so, last year he was uh, you know 10.5 percent offensive rebounding percentage. This year he, he's seven. Uh, last year 14.8 on the defensive glass, and he's 12.8 on the defensive glass this year. Uh, so, so I, I just think that's got to get better. I mean, and he was at 10.2 on the offensive glass at West Virginia, 8.3 is his sophomore year. Uh, so 7.0 is, you know, his lowest um, that he's had in his career. And uh, I, I don't get it. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's an effort thing, if he's, if he's drifting further away from the basket, he's spreading the floor. I, I don't know, but uh, he, he's a guy that they need to, you know, be getting tip outs and, and, doing some damage on the offensive glass. And I always I also think he's really effective inside in the paint. And, uh, you know, you just need to, you know, get him in positions where he can get some easy, easy buckets in the paint as well. Yep. And I think it speaks to something, Ashley, that the two guys we're really singing the praise of right now are Langston Love and Eve Missy. Right. And to me, I think those have by far been the toughest guys hmm. for Baylor. And, you know, right. we like nerding out about analytics. I like watching the film. We like doing all that stuff. But right now I kind of feel like this is the least tough Baylor team. Since 2018. Ooh. And I think they're tougher than last year. You don't think they're tougher than last year? I don't know because I guess in a sense, yeah, if you had a street fight, I would take this year's squad over last year's squad. But I also feel like, you know, Adam Flagler, when he's dying, comes in and plays against Gonzaga and hits all those threes in the game. Or Keontae George, I remember after the Iowa State game in Kansas City, I was in the locker room, and he was limping around the whole time, but he never talked about his injury or said anything about it. So – Maybe you think this this team should be tougher than last year's team by a lot. And then I think you can even entertain the conversation of saying, is this team as tough or not, really speaks to where they are right now. And I know that black charge rules have changed. Maybe that's part of it too. But other than Langston and Eve Missy, there aren't any guys in this team right now that have been like, man, that was a really good stretch where he just kind of stayed in there and was willing to get whacked. Or, wow, he was willing to get hurt. And it's like, yeah, the guy who almost went blind should not be <laughs> one of the two toughest guys in your team, yet somehow he is. Yeah. Um, that's a hot take. I, I, I will. It is. It, I, I, when Baylor loses, I get hotter with the takes. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's maybe, I hope they prove you wrong. And I hope that, um, uh, they come out and put some really tough performances on paper, uh, here to start January. You know, I think Caleb, uh, is tough. I think D'Antoine's tough. You know, Jacoby, 
I think is 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 a tough guy, but you know he's got he's got to get more tough minded guarding the ball for sure. Uh, you mentioned Jaden already. Uh, Ray J, you know Ray J, I think is 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 a tough guy. You know I think he he, he does a lot of things well, and um, I don't know. I mean it's but but yeah, I mean like the grit, it, you know, it leads a little bit to desire, you know, be desired and. Uh, we've got to take a big step up there because these these Big 12 games are going to be physical. And, I mean, you just do a quick look at uh, Ken Palm on the defensive end. Uh, I'm going to check that out real quick. My, my sense is that we've got a lot of teams that are doing very well defensively. And, yes, that is true. Uh, Houston's number one in adjusted defense. BYU's number nine. Iowa State number five. Kansas number six. Oklahoma number seven. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> you better get tough quick or you're going to get – you're going to get waxed. I mean, that that's, you know, five teams in the top ten, and uh, Baylor right now is second to last. Only uh, West Virginia has worse defensive analytics. Uh, so you, you, you better come ready for the fight or it's going to be a long, long uh, Big 12 season. Yep, and I think during the season right now, depending on when you look at it, Torvik lets you go through dates to get rid of preseason data. Baylor has the number 136-ranked defense during the season, hmm. and – I mean, that's the worst I can remember at any time since Baylor's gotten really good the last five years. I can't remember any stretch outside of those three or four games after Baylor came back from the COVID pause where we had that week where we wondered, well, could they flip the switch back? And then, you know, obviously they flipped the heck out of that switch. I wonder what it would have um, been if you take out the Michigan State result. I mean, you can't take it out, but I, I, I'm just curious. Like, does it tell I, you what it was before the Michigan State game? Let me check on that. I can go pre-Michigan State game. Okay. I mean, the other concern I have, though, and when I, we talked about that Florida game, is that the defense was not good against Florida. And I do think that was the one game where I thought Baylor played so tough against Florida, and they got the 50-50 balls, and that was kind of the difference in the game. But the defensive efficiency against Florida was also so bad. Yeah. That's what also made me concerned. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, I mean, remembering that game – I think it was, you know, Baylor just seemed to have that seven to ten point lead down the stretch, and then, you know, Florida hit that couple of ridiculous threes late. So I, I, I don't know. I think, to me, that felt more like a, a seven to ten point win, even though it's only four. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they're they're giving up a lot at the rim, and they're trading buckets, and they got away with it. Same with the Auburn game, uh, similar similar situation there. But the offense was so good that they got away with it. Yeah, I mean it's we're, we're singing the same tune. We we got to get better defensively, and we got to get better fast because the competition. We're not. There's no more Mississippi Valley states on the on the schedule. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> uh, I did know that, which we're <laughs> that all very more, grateful that, for. That might be the worst team I've ever seen in a non-conference. They they were pretty bad. Yeah, that might have been worse than John Brown. Um, oh, John Brown but, would would crush them in my opinion. <laughs> I, I think they would. I mean, John Brown's got shooters. They play hard. I mean, Mississippi Valley State's got decent athletes. I mean, they're a Division One team. But, I mean, they're 0-11, 0-12 for a reason. And, uh, you know, they, they haven't really played anybody close. Pacific. They played Pacific close, who is uh, 346 in, in the metrics. Other than that, it's just been blowout after blowout. Yep, and I think the reason at least I seem way more negative right now than maybe I do in some seasons is you watch this team, and I think they should be better than they've been. Yeah. And I don't think that's a failure of the staff. I don't think that's a failure of the players necessarily. Um, but it's just, I think this team should be better, right? I often joke about 2011. There was no way to watch that team 
outside of the Colorado game where Lace went insane and think like, oh, this team is ever going to be a Final Four contender. Right. I still look on paper and I look at the best moments they played against Duke and the best moments they played against Florida. And every team can have one game you just ignore. And that's what I'm going to do right now with Michigan State. And I can still see, okay, Jacoby should be able to stay in front of guys better. Jaden Nunn, I thought was Baylor's best player for the first two or three games. The pieces can fit together better. And that's why I just get more animated about this team because last year I thought was so disappointing. And I hope this season isn't as well. And I get that the standard is so elevated. It seems unfair to say, well, how could you be disappointed if you're a top 10% team in the country every single season? But getting Jacoby Walter, Eve Missy being so good, I just hope this season can hit those lofty heights. And that's why I get a little more animated and why I'm not going to go spin zone for anything when I say, hey, these are the problems I've identified. And, I don't, and you don't go spin zone either, Ashley. But <laughs> I do think there's a – I really do hope this team can um, – come around to where they should be because I really don't want to see Houston KU and then Baylor drops a game to Texas. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, no, I, I, which should not happen. It should not happen. And and I, I do think that it, I mean, the optimist in me says, okay, you, you look at college basketball, this will probably be a good betting strategy. We'll have to talk to um, Jared Hamby about this, but I think the first time a, a, a team goes on the road, they tend to get, you know, clobbered pretty, pretty, pretty well. I mean, we, we saw that, you know, UConn goes to Seton Hall, you know, Baylor, Baylor um, beats, you know, Seton Hall by 18 points, their first true road game. And then, um, you know, Connecticut's uh, first road game, you know, against a, a quality opponent, you know, they, they go to, uh, well, no, that's not true. They went to Kansas and they played Kansas really tough. So I, I take that back, but they, but they go to Seton Hall and they get beat by 15. I, I look at Marquette just clobbering Texas, uh, Texas first road game. You know, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of examples of this where teams go on the road for the first time. You know, even Auburn, who I think is a good team, goes to Appalachian State and you know lo- loses a game against them. You know, it's 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 just different when you go on the road. You know, for the first time, even though these are now paid athletes, they're still 18 to 24 year old athletes, and and uh, that road environment, you know, is unsettling, and so. You know, the optimist in me says, okay, we just played two road games. Uh, maybe Duke wasn't as much of a road game because we had like a couple thousand of our fans there. Uh, but it was overwhelmingly a Duke crowd. Michigan State was a really hostile, and we and we contributed to that, you know, letting them go on those long runs and get all kinds of alley-oop dunks, you know, <laughs> gets the crowd in a, in a major fervor. But, you know, two road games, we lose them. You know, we'll see how we respond. But but if we if we get blown out at home, then yeah, I'm I'm super concerned. But as long as we take care of business at home and we start to get better on the road, play tougher on the road, I I, I think we're I think we're where we I expected us to be at this point. I expected us to get there different. I didn't expect us to get blown out by Michigan State, and I, I expected us to maybe win that Duke game. Uh, but I you know I thought we might drop um Auburn or Florida and we won the, both of those so I think I think 10 and 2 is kind of where I expected us to be uh, headed into conference season yeah I would have thought 11 and 1 so it's kind of weird Baylor I was kind of sour on Baylor entering the season then some conversations I had how well Baylor looked in that second half against Auburn I got pretty high on them now I'm probably a little lower on Baylor than I was to begin the season so I've had a roller coaster yeah uh <laughs> where I think the Bears are um, but yeah, I mean, nothing is over. Nothing is ruined. It's not football where you lose twice. And if, well, if you lose once, you're in the Big 12 and don't win the conference. You sure. can't make the playoff anymore. Um, so yeah, everything is still in front of the Bears. You'd rather have Jacoby Walter and Eve Missy 
and be where Baylor is than have a bunch of 24-year-olds and have to worry about improvement. So there is not a reason to jump off the bandwagon. There's just a reason to think the bandwagon may not go as far as you want right now. But I'm I'm sure it's not going to be the most fun time at practice for some of yeah, these guys coming yeah, forward right. or some of the film sessions where it'll be, hey, why don't we run around screens? So these are fixable mistakes. It's just there are more mistakes than you'd like to have to fix. Yep. All right, there's six teams that Ken Palm thinks are going to be in the hunt for the Big 12 race, Houston, BYU, Iowa State, Kansas, Baylor, and Oklahoma. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about them. BYU, have you laid eyes on them yet? Very limitedly. Yeah, me too. They lose to Utah, and that's an away game, another, another example of going on the road for the first time. Other than that, they've, to- they've totally taken care of business, but their their best wins are San Diego State at home. That's a good win. NC State. At neutral site, that's that's a good win. Uh, they got Wyoming to close out their non-conference, and then they go to uh, they have Cincinnati uh, for their first you know Big Twelve game, and then they go on the road to Baylor. So BYU, are you are you buying them or selling them as as a top uh, top six finisher in the Big Twelve? I would buy as a top six finisher, but I would sell as a top two finisher. Yeah, I I agree with both those statements. All right, and then uh, Houston, you've, we've already you know, made your thoughts known on them. You think they're going to win the league. They're projected at 14-4. and four. I say they don't finish in the top two. Iowa State, are you, do you think they're legit, or do you think that that's, it's the same old Iowa State, you know, kind of an average team, going to give Baylor fits because of how, how tough and physical they are, but um, uh, you know, a, a team that's probably not going to compete for the league title? That's where I am, and it seems like odds – although a phenomenal coach has those stretches of complete malaise. So I think Iowa state will go through a rut this season. I do not think they will finish in the top four, but I think they'll finish in the top six. Yeah. I think they finished top four, but I, I don't think they're in the top three. Uh, and then uh, Kansas, we know they're always, you know, going to be in competition, you know, for the top spot struggled against Indiana. Got lucky to win that game, but that was a road game. Uh, they've got a good win against Kentucky. Got beat by Marquette, you know, pretty soundly. Got good wins against Tennessee and Connecticut, so they've got they've got a good resume already. Uh, and then uh, Wichita State uh, is is it a neutral site? I think that's probably in Kansas City, I'm guessing. And then they they open up with TCU at home, and then go to UCF and, and Oklahoma at home. I mean, their their first five games are actually pretty easy uh, before they they hit the meat of the schedule. Are are you are you thinking Kansas is going to finish either first or second in the league? Yes, I think uh, K. I think KU will finish second. I think Baylor will finish third. Oh, so you got you got Houston winning it. I, I say Baylor and Kansas number one and two. Oklahoma, what's your, what's your thoughts on them? Have you have you uh, watched them play? A little bit. I would have them four. Obviously, a great turnaround by Porter Mosier, but I think still a team that maybe hasn't challenged themselves as much right. as Baylor and KU have. And so I would kind of wonder how do they do against better competition given uh, their recent loss right after Baylor played. <laughs> and North Carolina uh, beat them by 12 for sure. Um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, th- some interesting teams to talk about, TCU and Texas, almost identical in the sense that they played extremely easy non-conference games. Uh, TCU had two top 100 opponents, and they lost to both of them. They lost to Clemson by eight. Uh, they lose to Nevada by 13. And, uh, you know, then they got one more tune-up game against Texas A&M Commerce before they hit Big 12 play. Are they, are they an NCAA tournament team, to, in your opinion? I mean, they have to go 9-9 nine nine to make the uh, uh, NCAA, don't you think? TCU played one of the worst non-conference schedules I've ever seen. Yep. 
Um, and I'm trying to even look right now. I think if I'm in the right tab, they played – and let me double-check this. Arizona okay. State was they, the only decent win. I mean, it's not a good win. They, they beat yeah, them they played 20. the number – yeah, absolutely horrendous schedule. Maybe you could think Georgetown would be better. I don't know how they would, though. They played the number 339 Ken Palm schedule. Uh, I think that will be a team that goes like 8-10, and 10, loses in the first round in Kansas City, and then gets to enjoy the expanded NIT. <laughs> And then Texas kind of in the same boat. Um, you know, they, they, they have Louisville on the schedule, but, you know, Louisville's no good. LSU, a decent win against LSU, but they're outside the top 100. They're only two games against uh, top 100 opponents, Connecticut and Marquette. They get, they get beat pretty soundly in both of them, Connecticut by 10 and Marquette by 19. And then they got a couple more tune-up games, UNC Greensboro and UT Arlington, before they hit Big 12 play. Are you are you thinking that uh, Rodney Terry is going to have a uh, NCAA team, or do you think this is another team that uh, misses the NCAA and perhaps leads to his dismissal, and then uh, Trey Johnson gets to experience a new coach next year? Uh, I don't know about what Trey Johnson will decide to do uh, with his recruitment. Uh, I don't know if Texas will fire Rodney Terry, but I am betting everything I have that Texas will not make the NCAA tournament. Mm. Uh, they at least, you know, were smart enough to get beat by double digits by both Connecticut and Marquette. Uh, I guess proving that Texas wanted to head south for its next conference and not east. Uh, but I said after that Louisville game, because people were like, oh, Louisville's improved. And I was like, no, they haven't. Yeah. No, what we learned is that Texas is just bad. Yeah. Uh, they've dropped from 16 preseason Ken Palm to 39. Uh, their non-conference strength, what, we get to Rice, Wyoming, after LSU, who's number 104, Will Wade's not paying players anymore, so they're not that good. Um, and never have I heard something as ridiculous as the take about, oh, just wait till Dylan DeSue comes back. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Dylan DeSue. They already have guys that are similar. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, Shedrick, Dylan Mitchell, you still can't shoot, you know, well enough. I mean, it's, it's like you already got guys. He's 0 for 6. You know, Dylan Mitchell's 0 for 6 from 3. You know, so he's – he, he's you know a guy that plays down low and then you know then they got the um oh, I'm trying to think of the other guy who they have Onima I think is his name um another guy that plays down low so so it's not like you can play all four of those guys heavy minutes you know it's it, you got you got to sit somebody so yeah they're I mean their guards are small I, I don't know yeah I'm, I I'm a, I'm a skeptic of them for sure no I remember a few years ago when it was annoying about uh. Dylan Brooks didn't play that Oregon game when Baylor well, a few years ago. We're getting old. Yeah. Uh, when it was, I think, seven seasons ago or so now. Right. When Dylan Brooks didn't play and Baylor had to hear, well, you beat him without Dylan Brooks. Well, at least Dylan Brooks is a you know solid NBA piece. Uh, Dylan DeSue was like the seventh best player on Texas's team last year. Right. You've mentioned all their other pieces that aren't that good. Max Amos is too small to be your lead guard. Tyree Sunner hasn't gotten any better since he was a freshman at Iowa State. Uh, Texas is not good. Uh, Baylor should be able to beat Texas pretty handily. Uh, I have no faith in Texas as a program, as an institution, uh, and anything else. Uh, Texas is not making the NCAA tournament. I, I, if people want to say, oh, you're just, you hate the University of Texas, agreed. Agreed, I do. Go but Huskies. if yep. anyone wants to offer me even money, Texas will not make the NCAA tournament on the forums. I'm happy to bet for charity on that. <laughs> yeah, we're all Huskies. Go Huskies. All right, um, Cincinnati, Texas Tech. Kansas State, UCF, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Any comments to make on any of those teams? I think at least one of those teams gets in. I would say Cincinnati will make the dance, yep. uh, given their possibility of improvement with some roster uh, additions. Uh, I, I'm a little bit more sour on Kansas State. 
thought they got a little bit lucky with some calls in that game against Wichita State, who's a really, really bad team in year one for Paul Mills. And then Kim and Quincy AC will turn things around in Wichita. But for right now, that Naquan Tomlin situation, I think, left a really nasty cloud in Manhattan. I have not talked directly to Jerome Tang uh, since the press conference last season, but I think they will miss the NCAA tournament, and I think Jerome Tang will be the head coach somewhere else next season. Actually, mm. he's fired because I think he will willingly take a different job. Yeah, I, I, it seems like the seeds for discontent are being sown for sure. Uh, Texas Tech, Grant McCaslin, you know, I think uh, he's got them playing, you know, tough, but but they've they've got lost to Villanova by twenty four, who Kansas State beat, and Butler uh, in overtime, and they do have a good win against Michigan. That that looks good on the, the resume, I think. You know, or will will age pretty well. Uh, but you know they they lost uh, Cambridge for the season. That was one of their you know bigger players, not good size down low, guard heavy, live and die by the three. Uh, you know Texas Tech. Do you think they're on the outside looking in of the NCAA tournament? Probably. I I do actually. Yeah. I think they're a year or two away from turning it around. Yeah. And then I you know West Virginia is interesting. Um, West Virginia, you know they got Raquan Battle back. They got uh, Carissa back. Uh, you know. They've taken some significant losses this year. Played Virginia tough, but uh, lost to Monmouth, lost to SMU, lost to St. John's, lost to Pittsburgh, lost to UMass, lost to Radford. Uh, that's not a very good resume. But they can they can cause some some trouble in uh, the Big Twelve once Jesse Edwards gets gets back from injury. Do you think you think that's a team with these new additions, Raquan Battle and um, Carissa, that uh, that they might be a, a dark horse to? to upset, you know, the race a little bit? No, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll go 2-16. and 16, And hopefully, like that year, uh, KU lost uh, that TCU team that was absolutely horrendous. Maybe they can pull off a victory like that. But I'm not as big on uh, Kirk K. I, I hear that man's name pronounced 18 different ways. Yeah. Kirk Chris, uh, Chris Show, whatever. Right. Um, I'm not as big on him. And obviously, seeing how much better Arizona seems to be without his services, uh, I don't think it will get turned around, and I still think there's just too much weirdness in Morgantown with the Bob Huggins dismissal for um, him liking to drink a lot and drive. <laughs> yeah, that's a it's going to be a tough road for them. Well, I, we've gone longer than 30 minutes. Um, it's good catching up with you, and once again, congrats on the ring. Uh, well, it's going to be ring after spring for you, right? But it'll be ring ring before the spring of 2025. Yep, that's an important distinction. Uh, when's, your, when's your first time you get down to Foster? That's a good question. I definitely am going to be there for uh, Baylor KU if they still have. Uh, so I'll be there for Baylor KU uh, on January 20th. I should be down there for that one. That's what I okay. think will probably be my first foray into the Foster. Are you excited? And you and uh, Chris don't sit together anymore, do you? Well, we will for some games. Um, I've got now two seats. In one location, two seats in another location, and um, I've got you know my son at Baylor. Uh, he's a student, so he'll draw student tickets a lot. But um, there's probably you know it's a good good problem to have. But there's going to be days where he doesn't draw student tickets, so you know he'll probably sit with me for some of those games. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think I think uh, I definitely want to have Chris with me for some games. He's I know he's got his own tickets, uh, but yeah, that's that's to be determined how much we're going to be sitting together this year. In Foster. It's fair. Will you? Will we still be able to see the Ashley Hodge signs? <laughs> I I may retire the signs. I mean, we'll see. Like we'll see where the TV cameras are and if it's effective, if it's funny shtick. I mean, you know, it's it's a uh, every every bit has its uh, season, and and I'm 
it's it's all about helping the program. If I if I can help the program, then I'll do it. If it's if it's of no <laughs> consequence and I seem like a crazy man just holding up signs way far away from the TV programs, then I'll then I'll retire them. But uh, uh, but it but it was fun, and you know it it had its uh, you know times of you know I mainly do it because you know I, I'm on text groups with my friends, and they like to they like to you know see it on TV and and point out how ridiculous and stupid I look. So it was it was it was mainly for inside jokes among friends. I think you got to give it at least. I, first off, I love it, and I think you got to give it at least one season yeah. and foster before you get rid of it. Okay. So All right. that would be my vote. I, I I love it. It's not a tired bit. Keep it going. Uh, <laughs> it, it's got to continue. I, I, the only thing I think that has to change at the new arena is that the the mats and pun has got to go up in value. <laughs> yes, man. You talk about a low return <laughs> for a, a difficult <laughs> shot. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, what does that cost? Like twenty five cents to insure because of because of the low stakes. That is pretty funny that you say that. Yeah, I mean, remember when they used to have people shoot like you could get blindfolded and then you yeah. have to shoot like a full court shot from there. I was like, at least they give you a house for that one. That's I feel like the Madsen financial punch should be you either get a house or you get access to assets worth you know half a million dollars. One of the two. <laughs> All right, I, I do I do have a funny side story from the Seton Hall game. Uh, shout out to Brenton Hampton, the twenty second ranked uh, referee and. Ken Palm's database. <laughs> so I'm holding up the three second sign, you know, cause Seton Hall likes to do their work in the paint. They, they, they were definitely, you know, some times where they were uh, violating the three second rule. And so I, I'm holding up the sign. He's like, he comes over, he goes, it's five seconds. And I'm like, what do you mean it's five seconds? He's like, it's five seconds. We give them five seconds. I'm like, well, that's not the rule. The rule's three seconds. What is this, like anarchy? You, you can't have a chaotic environment where, where we don't enforce the rules. He goes, everybody knows it's five seconds. Like, you know, it's, it, you don't, you know, put that sign away. It's five seconds. And I was like, well, enforce it. They've been in the, you know, paid for five seconds. And he's like shaking his head. I mean, we're having some fun with it. So it is kind of fun when, when the refs notice the signs and feel like they have to become a part of the show and make some comments. So that, that, that has been an entertaining uh, part of the uh, sign bit. It's got to continue. <laughs> All right, listen, man, you've given me a good time. Thank you for the uh, update on your life and your thoughts on Big 12 basketball. It's, it's, a, it's a fun time. I love the hunt. I love, I love the possibilities that uh, Baylor basketball has this year. Obviously, some refinements need to be made. We have great coaches. Uh, I expect us to be there in the end. You've been listening to a Sikkim 365 podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Cout, Sikkim Bears. <laughs>